What a time it is to be alive for fans of the Boston Bruins. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Bruins podcast for Monday, October 28th. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every single My name is Ian McLaren and I am proud to be coming at you every day to talk about all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. Uh, please also kindly rate and review and tell your friends. If you'd like to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Uh, and if you have feedback about the show or like to send me an email, you can send that to LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. And yes, the Bruins are rolling right now. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, recapping the two games over the weekend. As we do also every Monday on the podcast, we will take a look at the Atlantic Division Power Rankings and see where the Bruins stack up against their divisional foes. And then uh, later on, we'll take a quick look around the NHL and some storylines and news uh, making the rounds. But first, let's start with a look back at the weekend that was. Let's begin with Sunday's win over the Rangers and then work our way back to Saturday's shutout win over the St. Louis Blues. Sunday night, of course, was the second of a back-to-back over the weekend for the Bruins. And uh, they did not miss a beat at all. The top line combined for five goals and 13 points in a 7-4 win over the Rangers. Patrice Bergeron picked up his fifth career hat-trick. Uh, Marchand had two goals and three assists. And David Pasternak took a night off from goal scoring and dropped five assists on the Rangers uh, in that win. Pasternak jumped up to the top of the NHL scoring leaderboard with that five-point outburst. He now has 11 goals and 12 assists for 23 points in 11 games. Leads the NHL in both goals and points and is averaging a league-high 2.09 points per game. Brad Marchand, he now has 20 points on the season with 7 goals and 13 assists in 11 games. And if you go uh, look at points per game, he's also now second to Pasternak in points per game with 1.82. The Bruins have only played 11 games, as I mentioned. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they have more points than... Uh, Marchand, as does John Carlson. They all have 21 points, but uh, they've played more games. Therefore, Marchand gets a bump in terms of points uh, per game. So just a dominant performance for that line. And, um, you know, when they're playing at the highest level, it's just a joy to watch. Um, Marchand, after the game, he said, we're getting good bounces. And obviously, Pasta and Bergie are dangerous all the time. Right now, we're confident each night, and we're just kind of rolling it over into the next game. Hopefully, it continues, but when we have the group that we have that's consistently dangerous all the way through the lineup, it makes it easier on all of us to go out and play our game. I think we're all seeing benefits from that right now. Just to put some of these numbers into perspective, NHL Stats uh, released some interesting tidbits. Pasternak with 23 points, Marshawn with 20 points. 
have required the fewest games by a Bruins player to reach the 20-point plateau since Adam Oates recorded 22 over the first 11 contests back in 1992-93. Pasternak and Marchand are the third set of Bruins teammates to both have five points in a game in the last 30 years, joining Joe Thornton and Glenn Murray back on December 28, 2001, and Dmitry Kristich and Jason Allison back on March 14, 1998. And Pasternak's five-assist game was the 13th in Bruins history. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, an incredible run to begin the season here for for this line especially. And uh, what's encouraging was that uh, there were some other signs of offense from down the line as well. With Zdeno Chara hitting the back of the net and most notably Charlie Coyle finally getting his first goal of the season. He's been playing really well through training camp and over the first 10 games of the season. He had yet to be rewarded with a goal. He's been playing on the second line um, with David Krejci on the shelf with an injury. And uh, he finally got one last night uh, off a pass from Charlie McAvoy. Bruce Cassidy said, I thought he was real dominant tonight. He's moved around. We've asked him to do different things. He shows up and plays. Hopefully this will get him going offensively. I think typically that's what happens. You fight a little bit. takes a while to get it out. Um... Coyle also had an assist last night, so his third assist of the season. So he now has uh, four points on the year. He played 20 minutes and 39 seconds, which was the most among Bruins forwards, and tied Chara for a team lead with six shots on goal, which is uh, which is really great to see. So he's getting shots on goal. He's getting the opportunities to play uh, of Coyle. Marsha and said, that guy's a horse. Another guy we're not worried about. Every guy is going to have their night. If everyone plays their game, every game, and does what they do well, they're going to be a good player for this team. That's what's been going on here. We win by committee every night. That's why we're a good team. That's why we're winning games. Uh, Maybe a bit of an overstatement, uh, seeing as the top line is really carrying the load for this team. Um, If we look at uh, kind of the team stats, we see that uh, it's still dominated by the top line. Uh, Marchand, or obviously Pasternak, Marchand uh, have the major production with 23 and 20 points, respectively. After that, it's a drop to Bergeron at 11 points. Krug has 8, and then the next highest forwards are uh, Coyle and DeBrusque, each with 4 points in 11 games, a goal, and 3 assists apiece. So still really looking for that secondary scoring to uh, make a jump and uh, it's slowly but surely coming in. I think um, Cassidy uh, per Joe McDonald of the athletic Cassidy said, um, you know, this team hasn't really played up to their potential yet. He said, I don't think we're anywhere near a complete 60 minute game. We're trending that way. He said that prior to Sunday's game against uh, the Rangers and uh, that game was as complete of a game as they have played all season. Uh, so that's uh, great to see, obviously, ahead of uh, Saturday or sorry, Tuesday's game against the San Jose Sharks, a team that is coming off uh, a loss to the Ottawa Senators, which is pretty embarrassing, of course. And uh, so they may come into Boston on Tuesday. Hungry to avenge that loss. They're 4-7-1 so far this season. Uh, so not an ideal start for a, a team that's a perennial um, 
you know, playoff team, uh, would-be Stanley Cup contender. Uh, but we'll talk about that more tomorrow as we look to uh, Tuesday's game against the Sharks. Um, yeah, so that's it for the Rangers game. On Saturday, of course, the Bruins played against the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues in their first matchup since uh, yeah Game 7, which was brutally disappointing. Um, I don't think, you know, me personally, I'm not over that game and I lament what could have been, but, um, you know, what, what's done is done and, uh, we can only now focus on the present and look to the future. And like I tweeted after the game, the Bruins defeated this blues three, nothing. And I said on Twitter, uh, you know, even with the loss, we are really lucky to be Bruins fans at this point in the team's history. Um, a very successful run over the last decade or so. And um, to get to watch the likes of Tuka Rask, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, um, Brad Marchand, even Tori Krug, the emergence of Charlie McAvoy, um, Zdeno Chara, obviously just playing uh, long into his career. It's such a joy to be a team, a fan of this team at this point. And um, even though they lost game seven, they're still great and so fun to watch, and we're really lucky compared to other fan bases. Uh, the big story on Saturday night's game, aside from just destroying the Blues, uh, as Chara did to Oscar Sundqvist. If you haven't had a chance to look at Chara's Instagram lately, I recommend uh, taking a look at the picture he posted of his hit on Sundqvist. It's, uh, it's, it's art. It belongs in the Louvre, in fact. Um, but the big story, I thought, was Anders Bjork. He, um, you know, has been much talked about this season as a guy who uh, should get a look at the NHL level sooner than later. He really started well at the AHL level, and he was rewarded uh, with uh, his first goal of the season on Saturday night with just an emphatic blast past Jordan Bennington. And you could tell in his celebration uh, that he downplayed a bit on Sunday, talking to Nesson's Sophia Yurksevich, um, but uh, you could tell that that goal was important to him. And, um, you know, of his play, Bruce Cassidy said, we felt he'd be better going off down to Providence, playing a little more, see if he can start to get comfortable scoring goals again, making plays, being being that guy. Um, but, uh, you know, his recall was precipitated due to injuries uh, to Krejci, Nordstrom, um, Carson Kuhlman is now out. Uh, Cassidy said his recall was probably a little earlier than we'd liked. We didn't have a timetable, but I think it's important for him. If he's going to play up here, he has to be at some level of a scorer. And he has proven to be effective uh, at both ends of the ice uh, in his three games to date. And I think it's been enough for him to make a case for remaining up on the NHL roster for the foreseeable future. Uh, Bjork of his goal, he said, I think it's huge for me to get to those areas where lots of goals are scored. It's something I try to focus on for sure. You see guys like DeBrusque, Pasternak, Marchand, those guys all do it so well when they attack the net and find a way to make a play off of those. Um, so it was great to get him to s scoring 
Cassidy said that was a bomb. It was a good shot. It's something I don't know if he had a couple years ago, that one-timer. I thought he was good at hunting pucks. I thought he was good on the walls. He got stripped a couple times in the D zone by a heavy team, so that's an education part for him now. He's against men every night, especially with a team like that, meaning the Blues, but I thought he held his own. Um, And Cassidy said he's pleased with what Bjork has done so far. He can improve a little bit and keep being hungry offensively, take care of his job in the defensive zone, being responsible all over the ice. Um, He said he's worked hard. Um, He's worked his way through it. Looks like he's going to be a National League hockey player. I don't want to jump to conclusions after two games, now after three, but so far so good. Um, So, And Bjork added, I kind of feel like a family here, even though you're not playing for six months or so. I'm fortunate to be part of this organization, and hopefully I can pass that on to some of the other guys here as well. So he really seems to have a great attitude. Cassidy really seems to be uh, happy with him so far. And um, yeah, I mean, he's done all that could be expected of him uh, to date. And he's got the goal through through three games with nine shots on goal in those games as well. And uh, really looking like he belongs in the lineup. I believe Uh, David Krejci is meant to come back for Tuesday's game against the Sharks. And we'll likely see a third line of Bjork, Coyle, and Heinen, which uh, I've been clamoring for for a couple weeks now. Uh, So with, uh, you know, Krejci, DeBrusque, and probably Brett Ritchie on the second line, uh, we'll start to get that offense spread out a bit and really have that depth going scoring depth and uh that should help the secondary scoring to get going even further so that's a quick look back at the weekend as good as anyone could have hoped for the bruins playing back-to-backs against the blues and the rangers and uh coming here up in a in a moment we'll take a look at the atlantic division power rankings and it's time now for our weekly look at the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. And coming in at the bottom should be no surprise. Actually, you know what? It is a bit of a surprise. Down in 8th place, I'm putting the Detroit Red Wings. They are on uh, a brutal streak right now. I think they've lost, uh, what, 8 or 9 games in a row. And they are 3-8-1 and one on the season for a total of 7 points. They're tied with the Ottawa Senators, but the Senators have played one more game, meaning the Red Wings have a uh, point percentage of .292. They've also scored two fewer goals than the Ottawa Senators, and they've allowed nine more goals for an unbelievable goal differential of minus 18. So yes, the Detroit Red Wings are really struggling right now under uh, new general manager Steve Eiserman, who may or may not want to shake things up sooner than later and kind of precipitate a full rebuild uh, if they're not in there already. So the Detroit Red Wings, unseating the Ottawa Senators as the worst team in the Atlantic Division as of right now. So that would mean the Senators are in seventh. Again, I said they have a record of 3-7-1 and one for seven points, 318 point percentage. Uh, a minus nine goal differential, and they beat the San Jose Sharks on Sunday, which uh, is is pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know for any uh, fantasy hockey people out there, if you are not uh, aware of 
Uh, Connor Brown at this point, I think he has something like 10 points in 11 games, only one goal, but um, he's getting a lot of shots on net. He's getting some good opportunities to be featured in that whatever offense it is. Uh, so uh, I picked him up in a league over the weekend, and I, I would suggest you do the same. So that's it for the the bottom feeders in the um, uh, the NHL Atlantic Division. Moving on to sixth place, and I tweeted the other day. I think that the there could be very well be five playoff teams from the Atlantic this season, and six teams in contention um, going forward. Uh, coming in sixth place is one of the teams that uh, many have pegged in the top three, maybe even one or two when all is said and done. But right now they're really struggling. It's the um, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they were beaten by the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. They've played uh, the most games in the division with 13. They have a record of 6-5-2 and two, uh, for a point percentage of 5-38. And they only a little scored... Oh, sorry. They've scored a division high 46 goals, but they've also allowed 44 goals, which is just one less than the Red Wings. So that's a plus uh, two goal for differential. And the defense is still very much a work in progress. Uh, backup goaltending an issue, as we've discussed on the podcast. Uh, Michael Hutchison just really being hung out to dry. Uh, he played that game against Montreal, did not look. Uh, particularly great, but the defense in front of him was not great either. Uh, so until they shore up the defense even further and um, stop maybe trying to make top pair Cody Cece a thing, try to find a better backup, um, this team could be uh, in some sort of trouble. I mean, still a playoff team, obviously, but um, one and done perhaps as well. Uh, if things continue the way they are, then maybe there'll be a, a playoff bubble team but, um, yeah, signs of discontent in Leafs land as well. Uh, if you look on Twitter, Leafs fans all in a tizzy right now, which you really hate to see. And, um, yeah, not, not looking too good in Leafs land right now. Coming in at number five, I'm putting the Montreal Canadiens, who I mentioned beat the Leafs on Saturday. They're 5-4-2, and two, 12 points. Uh, two behind the Leafs, but uh, they have a better point percentage based on playing two fewer games. Uh, they have a plus five goal differential. Um, yeah, some of the young kids are starting to to look pretty good, most notably Nick Suzuki, uh, who I'm a big fan of. I, I've said that before. And uh, Carey Price, obviously, once when he's in net, they always have a chance to win. So the Canadians uh, looking uh, decent to start the season at uh, five, four, and two. The number four team, I'm putting the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. They are five, three, and two to begin the season. They have 12 points. Again, they are two points back of the Leafs, but they have three games in hand and a 600 um, point percentage. They're plus one in goal differential. Um, they have a negative shot differential per game. They're averaging 31.4 giving up 34.5. So that's that's a bit concerning for the Lightning, but uh, this is the team that just ran away with the regular season title last year. Uh, They seem to be slowly rounding into form, maybe trying some different things in the regular season, maybe not putting as much of a priority on, you know, dominating in the NHL, but really 
trying to play a, a complete game and um, just, you know, focus more on what their end goal is. Um, and, you know, they're always going to be a great team and I would expect them to continue to rise uh, the power rankings as the season goes on. That brings us to number three team, the Florida Panthers. They've played 11 games. They're 5-2-4. and four. They have 14 points, which is tied with the Leafs for third. Uh, but again, they have played fewer games. They have a third-ranked point percentage of 636, and they are f- uh, plus two goal differential to date. The big issue with the Panthers to date has been goaltending. Uh, if we look at their five-on-five save percentage, it's third worst in the NHL at 88.41, uh, and that's resulted in a PDO of... Um, 981, which is uh, sixth worst in the NHL. Um, so I would expect that once Bobrovsky, Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, settles in and begins to play closer to his level, then the Panthers will be a team to be reckoned with. The offense is there; they're solid defensively um, in terms of uh, Corsi percentage. They are uh, positive at 52. 69, 52.69, which is sixth in the NHL, just behind Toronto and Montreal, um, which are positive points, I should add, for for those two teams. Um, So once the goaltending gets going, I really believe that the Panthers will be a team to be reckoned with in the Atlantic Division um, moving forward. And the fact that they're already up in third, despite that struggle right now, uh, is a sign that Better days are ahead for the Panthers. That brings us to the number two team, and I'm putting the Buffalo Sabres in that spot, despite the fact that they have the most points in the division. They've played 12 games. They're 9-2-1 with a uh, 7.92 point percentage. They have a plus 11 goal differential. And, yeah, the Sabres just continue to roll. They continue to defy expectations. Um... They what have they done lately? They uh, beat the Red Wings two nothing on Friday, which meh, whatever. Um, they um, lost six two to the Rangers last Thursday, and then prior to that, they beat the Sharks back to back. Which, as we mentioned before, the Sharks are off to not a great start. So, not super impressive recent results for the Sabers. Uh, they are also riding a third-ranked PDO of 103.3, uh, riding great goaltending from Carter Hutton and uh, some improved offense. Um, so if Hutton regresses back to his career averages, then perhaps we'll see the Sabres regress a bit as well. I should mention the Lightning have the highest PDO in the league, 105.5 at 5-on-5 five five play, 95.51 uh, save percentage so that uh, might take a hit as well at some point in the near future uh, so they really need to um, get their offense going as well on in five on five play and that leaves us to the number one team and again this week it is the boston bruins they are eight one and two they've only suffered one regulation loss this season they have a point percentage of uh, 81.8 they have a plus 13 goal differential 
scored 36, only allowed 23, which is by far the best uh, in the Atlantic Division. Uh, only the Sabres come close at uh, 30 goals against. Um, the Bruins, uh, they also are riding uh, exceptional goaltending uh, from both Rask and Halak. Uh, they have a 93.89 save percentage in 5-on-5 five five play an 8.04 shooting percentage. So again, it comes down to um, finding more secondary scoring at even strength. The, um, you know, the power play has been rolling at a very high level and um, they are getting that amazing production from the top line. Krejci returning, Koya settling in as a third line center with some uh, more offensively minded line mates, then uh, we should start to see that bump up as well so again Bruins just off to as great of a start to the season as anyone could have hoped for and uh, if we look at the NHL standings again they are um, one point behind the Buffalo Sabres and also the Washington Capitals but they have games in hand on each and um, they are yeah just really rolling at the moment seven one and two in their last 10 games won three in a row now um and uh yeah they have st louis coming up on the schedule i'm sorry san jose coming up on the schedule on tuesday and then they're off again until uh, saturday where they will play the ottawa senators so a bit of a an easy week for uh for the bruins coming up and i would expect that they'll continue to roll over those opponents. Uh, so we could easily have um, them at uh, 9, 1, and 2 for October and then begin November with the win as well. So that's it for the Atlantic Division Power Rankings for this week. Up next, a quick look around the NHL, at some headlines and rumors to be aware of. All right, and to finish the show today, as we do every day, we'll just take a quick look at the... Uh, NHL landscape, see if there's anything notable to be aware of uh, that would be relevant to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. One thing that I noted yesterday was that Bobby Ryan was a healthy scratch in Ottawa. And uh, I was trying to think as to whether there was any possibility of uh, swinging a David Backus for Bobby Ryan deal. Ryan has a higher uh, cap hit uh, Backus is six million. Ryan's is seven point two five. So maybe adding uh, John Moore or something like that to the deal. Someone suggested that on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm not really sure if there's a fit there. It would be nice to have kind of a that scoring winger. Uh, but again, his cap hit is pretty uh, outrageous, and he's under contract again for two more years. So I'm not sure if there's anything there there, uh, but. Interesting to note that he was indeed scratched by the Senators, and we'll see if anything comes of that, um, whether he's dangled in trades or, uh, you know, bought out perhaps, put on waivers. Who knows what the Senators will do. They do need uh, him or someone comparable on the roster just to stay above the cat floor. I think I saw the players that they – did dress yesterday amounted to about uh, 37.7 million in total contracts, which is insane. Uh, so senators doing their best to bottom out this year. 
And uh, maybe the Bruins can take advantage of that by swinging a deal for Bobby Ryan, ideally with some um, contract, um, you know, retained by the Senators. Uh, I think, you know, he's still a decent scorer, has potential to thrive in an environment like the Bruins uh, offer uh, more than more than the Senators. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, the Red Wings lost their eight straight to drop to the bottom of the uh, Atlantic Division. Um, and yeah, the Heritage Classic happened as well on Saturday. I don't know if anybody saw it. I personally did not stay up to watch it. I might have watched it if it was on earlier, but you know, it was at 10 o'clock Eastern time, so um, not really too interested in that. Um, yeah, not really much else going on in the NHL other than there was a trade on Friday. Eric Gabranson was traded to the Ducks by the Penguins, and it begs the question as to what the Ducks are thinking, why anyone would want to add a player of his um, caliber at this point. Very ineffective defenseman, uh, but the Ducks, uh, yeah, seemed to think they needed some shoring up. They lost out on Lucas Pisa last week uh, as the Jets plucked him off the waiver wire. They're 7-6-0 in a playoff spot at this point. And uh, John Gibson has looked really great to date, although I think he struggled a bit yesterday. Um, so interesting to see what, what they're up to. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for today's show. Not really much going on around the NHL. Uh, a few games to keep an eye on tonight uh, from a Bruins perspective as uh, the Coyotes and Sabres are in action. So we'll see if the Sabres can extend their uh, hot start to the season. And then the Panthers are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Uh, so they'll be gunning to make an improvement on their start to the season as well, coming off a win over Edmonton on Sunday, uh, in which the Oilers lost their first game on home ice this season. That's it for the Lockdown Bruins podcast for today. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your favorite team every day. Again, please rate and review the podcast wherever you download whether it be Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Thanks again for taking the time to listen today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any feedback or suggestions, feel free to reach out. You can email me at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. We'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday, to uh, preview Boston's game against the Sharks at home on Tuesday night. Take care, friends.